Hey friends, welcome to the Living Truth Podcast. This is Kristen Carey hosting today, and I am honored and privileged to be sharing two interviews with you guys with my dear friends, Linda and Julie, separately. I'm gonna talk to Linda first, then I'm gonna talk to Julie. You guys, Linda and Julie have become dear friends to me, but I met both of them because they were in an utter place of despair because of betrayal wrecking their lives. These women have since years later become facilitators with women in the battle. They lead small groups. They do some of our teaching in our healing path. They're amazing women. And I asked them if they would share their stories. So first, I'm going to talk to Linda. Linda, thank you so much for being with me on our podcast today. You're welcome. I'm happy to be here. Okay, Linda, I'm going to take you back. Uh, February of 2018? 19. 2019. Yes. Was a horrible season in your life. And can you kind of go back to your decision to go to women in the battle for the first time, how, how you got to that decision, how you felt about walking into that first meeting? Um, so I, my D-Day was about five months prior to walking into the door women in the battle. So I had no hope and I was not in a safe place. Um, I just was devastated and just completely shocked of my husband's acting out and his addiction. And, um, you know, I was committing the error of telling too many people, like my adult kids, not a good idea. My therapist was okay, but she was kind of pushing for divorce at that point. Um, there were some friends that I had, but I didn't have anyone safe. Um, and it was, like I said, just a really uh, unhopeful time for me, not very safe. So walking into my first Women in the Battle group, um, I was a little nervous, but I knew I needed to try something different. Okay, Linda, let me ask you there. You used the word safe several times. Mm-hmm. So you were probably just doing the best you could, right? You were like telling people because you were grasping for help. Now, in hindsight, right, which is always 2020, <laughs> you're looking back and you're like, that was not safe. What do you mean by that? Because obviously some, some people think safe as a physical like danger, mm-hmm. but you're mm-hmm. talking emotional, psychological, right. spiritual. So can you describe exactly. what you mean by that? So it was more of just not knowing what direction to go. Like when you're on a road and you have your GPS, you know where you're going, but I didn't know where I was going. I just... We were ready. I mean, since D-Day, we were divorced and I joined Women in the Battle. Like I didn't have any kind of um, hope and any kind of direction of what I needed to do for myself. And what made, you told all these people and what made that unsafe for you? Well, I'm still reeling from that even three years or so later, just, um, it was just not a good thing to be doing because, um, they didn't have the right training and the right, um, words for me to, again, to feel safe and to know what, um, direction I needed to go. Yeah. And then it, it caused some real destruction with a lot of those relationships. Yes. A lot of loss. For sure. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think a lot of women are going to relate to that, to this, <laughs> you know, it's just, it can be a very hopeless time. And, um, so you went ahead and, and went to that women in the battle meeting for the first time. What were you feeling walking in the doors? I remember meeting you the first night because it was our Valentine's meeting. It, it what was. What were you feeling? Well, initially I was kind of upset because everyone was smiling and they were laughing and they were having fun. And I was just like, okay, number one, I don't like that. Number two, I want that. Like I wanted to feel where they were feeling and where how comfortable they were, um, where they were. I'm not saying everybody was laughing, but there was, it was just a joyous place to be. Um, and I knew that they were going to get me like they were going to, they got where I was. Yeah. Wasn't it Mike that told you about women in the battle? Yes. Your husband? Yeah. So was then your my ex-husband. Husband, ex-husband at that point, he, was going to men in the battle and he um, told me about women in the battle and I didn't trust him, of course. So I was like, I am not going to. Well, and weren't you mad? Like, why would I need to do that? Like, dude, you're the one that broke the vows. Yeah. You're the one with the issues. And so you go off and do your meeting. And, but um, I don't know. I think it was just God tugging finally because it wasn't because I was sure that he was telling me the right thing to do. But so it was good. So you go and you um, start to realize these people are going to get me. What made you realize that women got you there? Mm, Well, just going into the small groups that we had, it was just I got the support I needed. They validated what I was feeling. They just knew what I was going through as far as just emotional and mental stress and anxiety. And um, I just knew that they could tell me, I didn't even realize that my ex was a sex addict. So I learned so much knowledge about sex addiction and the brain and all of that. And just realize the main thing is that I didn't cause it. I can't change him and I can't control him. And I still take that into relationships I have and other things that I think I want to control. So, so you're divorced. You, you have let go of this marriage that was really like had broken your heart, but you start to gain tools to heal your heart, you start to gain knowledge of what the heck is this that just Mm -hmm. happened. And then you start seeing stuff shift for Mike. Mm -hmm. Like he really takes hold of his recovery, right? For sure. And when did you start realizing there was hope for your relationship after you've been divorced and everything? So miraculous. It's crazy. Um, God was just always tugging at my heart to just realize that it wasn't about me and that we both needed the one relationship in my whole entire life that needed to be number one was not number one. And that was my relationship with Christ. And God was like, I need you to look to me for that. Not Mm. your husband, not your family, not your kids, not your church. I need to be number one. So I started having that for myself and I started seeing that in Mike. So I didn't even trust that in the beginning. I saw just he was going to my church we had gone to two different churches so um he was um you know 
in his word and he was sending me journal entries about where he was in his in his walk with Christ and we had to sell our home because we were divorced so uh, we were kind of in the same home kind of going through things and just being close proximity to me to him I just realized that of course I still loved him it's not like you sever the love immediately when you divorce but I just didn't know how to get to another point you know how to get to the point of restoration or reconciliation so did you jump into marriage counseling right away no right (laughs) no but ironically for a lot of people listening to this that's where they're at they're starting their journey with trying to work on the relationship and so you both had to have some time it was like you had third, uh, third degree burns all over your body from the pain sure. of the betrayal. Yes. So, and, yeah. So, so the bound, yeah. boundaries was like, if I learned one thing from women in the battle is boundaries and my values in my life. Like, what are my values? How do I connect those to the boundaries I want to set with my husband and with anyone in my life, like all facets of my life. So that has been super key. So I just started setting some boundaries with Mike at that point. And little by little, we started to talk some more and there wasn't any trust because as we know, and we've said, and I've said in several talks is that nowhere in the Bible doesn't say to trust another human being. So I started trusting God and realized that Mm. he's going to reveal to me anything in the future I needed to know. And that um about Mike or any any other acting out or whatever and that I would just keep trusting God amazing so this like the kind of the heart of your recovery journey was learning to put your trust in God and that's really hard to do when we're in early trauma because our brain is like on fire and swirling around which is why in women in the battle we spend so much time early on teaching women to establish a sense of safety emotional, psychological, sexual, spiritual. And um, a big part of that journey of starting to feel safe is releasing some of the stuff we're holding onto and setting boundaries. So not to try to get somebody else to change. Like Mike didn't change because you gave him ultimatums or because you set boundaries. He changed because he wanted to change and God had gotten a hold of his heart. He gave God access to his heart. Mm Mm-hmm. And so you're doing your work, he's doing his, and God is rebuilding your life slowly, but surely over time. So then um, what happened with your relationship with Mike? What was the miracle that you got? So God just was um, continuing to say, look to me. And so, like I said, Mike started to go to my church. He started to want to serve in the same areas I was serving. So just being close to him physically in that proximity like that, I was able to get a real grip on the fact that, okay, there is some change. He's using the tools he learned in men in the battle. I'm definitely going one day at a time with what I'm learning and women in the battle. And so we just went out on a date and um, started talking about what that would look like going forward and just a full disclosure and a polygraph, which all you will learn if you get into women in the battle, how that all folds in. But, um, so you got all the truth of what had happened. 
There right. were no lies, no, no hidden things from the past anymore. Right. So was that a big part of realizing I am ready to take another step into this relationship? Yes. I, you know, I told God, I know that I can forgive some things that I don't know, but I would really like it if I could know all of the truth from a 25 year marriage, 22 year marriage then, and know who I really am marrying now, now that he is, I call him new Mike (laughs) versus old Mike, now that he is new Mike in Christ. And so, yeah, it was very freeing to know the truth. It was very hurtful and very eye-opening, but it was a first step in a new day for us. So amazing. Amazing. I love what God has done in your life. Okay. So Linda, now you have since gone on to go through training, um, and you've become a women in the battle facilitator. What made you decide to do that? Yeah. Okay. So one of my life verses is second Corinthians one, three to four, that it says, praise be to God, the father of all compassion, God of all comfort, who comforts others in the comfort that God has given us. And so I just was given so much comfort. I was given safety. I was given hope when I was in Women in the Battle. I, God is like, how can you not make this your passion? How can you not share this with other people? So that is what I wanted to do. But mainly I wanted to not just be a help. I wanted to pay attention to women when they speak and discern what they're saying and listen to them. And then keep learning. Like I'm always wanting to keep learning from women as they're going through their battle. Oh my gosh. And you've since gone on to develop a lot of our teaching. You've done our teaching in Women in the Battle on grief. You've done lots of grounding exercises that we share with women. And you've just been this hope giver to so many women. Um, I am just incredibly grateful for all the ways that you've loved and led women like out of the worst crap of your entire life. It's like when you have a garden, you got to have some manure in there to fertilize (laughs) that garden and look at the growth and the fruit. Yeah, I mean, it is just stunning. So what is your favorite thing now about leading a group of betrayed partners in women in the battle? Well, I think it is to just see women that kind of light bulb go off in their head where they realize they cannot control another human being and that they need to work on themselves and work on their relationship with God one-on-one versus trying to change anyone or fix a situation that is really not in their control. Yeah. So some women are going to be listening to this or watching the video and going, oh my gosh, like no way would I join a group. What would you say to the woman listening who's hesitant about joining Women in the Battle? Okay, it is, like we say, the best place that you never wanted to be. We get you. And if you feel like there's no one you can talk to, if you feel like there is um, not a safe place for you, or you're kind of lost like I was, just kind of this flailing fish out there, realize that we understand that we're going to validate your pain. We are going to talk to you about all the tools that you will need to be on your journey. Um, 
So just take one day at a time and we will come along with you on the side of your road and get you to a place where you are growing and you're strong and you have hope. If anything, you will end up with hope for yourself. Yeah, because some marriages don't make it. Some marriages don't have that right. happy ending that you've had, like no. mine didn't mm-hmm. make it. Right. Um, but but God has rebuilt my life. I've seen mm-hmm. him do it like, I, I mean, we could go on and on, right? All the stories right. of women yeah. who either marriage has rebuilt or they've been rebuilt and have moved out into trusting mm-hmm. God by taking the faith step of ending that toxic marriage where there's ongoing deception and lies, but then rebuilding their own lives and being provided for, oh my gosh, so many stories. I'm so thankful, Linda. I love you. I'm so grateful for you. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. You're welcome. It was my pleasure. Okay, you guys, now I'm so excited to talk to my dear friend and fellow coworker in Binding Up Brokenhearted Women, Julie St. Ange. Julie, thank you so much for agreeing to talk to me about your journey through Women in the Battle. Absolutely. Yeah. No hesitation. Okay, friends, now I'm excited to be here with my friend, Julie, who is an amazing Women in the Battle facilitator, has done tons of our teaching in the Women in the Battle curriculum. She's a professional coach runs a coaching practice called New England Coaching Services and does brain spotting with partners. She does therapeutic disclosures, all the things, you guys. Julie is an awesome friend. I am so grateful for her life and the work she does with women in the worst pain of their lives. Julie, thank you so much for joining me on the Living Truth Podcast today. Thanks for having me. Okay, so I just would love to hear a little bit about what you were feeling before you walked in and found your first Women in the Battle meeting. Um, Okay, so when I first found the group locally here, I fought it for a long time, even going. I had a friend reach out and I I was just, like, no. And then for a while, I was like, I'll think about it. I'll think about it. And I actually- What was your resistance? Like, why did you fight going? Fear. Fear? Yeah. What were you afraid of? Terror. I was so far from understanding what grounding was or how to even regulate myself. And I just was scared. And so I think it was about six months that it took her to convince me to try because I was so alone. And- I said I would go and I was so dysregulated on the way there that I'm pretty sure I told her I might throw up. I was really stressed, mm-hmm. really scared, knew oh, nothing. Gosh. What were you, um, what were your main fears? Like what was it that you're gonna be judged or shamed or what were you afraid of? Yes, all of the above. I think I was, I didn't even know really what shame was. I didn't know that I was being shamed by people that I thought were supporting me. Mm. Um, And not all of them. And I think some of them were really trying sincerely, but just didn't have the right type of training. 
but they were passing messages on that had been told to them that were kind of shame based. Yeah. Um, so I, I was just scared to trust anyone. And I, I'm trying to remember back now. I think I was afraid to say the wrong thing to other women because I could feel that it was so humbling to be in the presence of such devastation. And I just didn't always know how to help. There wasn't anything I could do. I just didn't know that yet. Yeah. What year and month did you go to your first meeting, your first Women in the Battle meeting? I'm trying to remember now. I think it was like, I want to say, I think it was the fall of 20. 18. Yeah, that sounds right. 2017, somewhere in there. Okay. So you go to your first meeting. How long did it take you till you wanted to be there? So long that I'm ashamed to say, I told my, I kept calling the group leader and she'll probably watch this and laugh, but I would say weekly. I was like, I'm not coming next week. I don't think this is for me. I might not do it. Okay. Tell me what was going on for you when you, even after going in for the first time, and let's just say it, your leader was Corey, who's amazing and still leads women in the battle groups today. um, And one of our leaders. So she is so warm and so accepting and so loving and wise. And so you go and it's this really safe environment, but there's still some resistance for you. What, what was that resistance? Do you know what it was? It was my own stuff. It was like, I couldn't figure out how to regulate myself. I couldn't figure out why what they were saying was sometimes actually unsettling for me, but it was because it was true and scary and it was all new. So like, I was like the baby in understanding all of it. And I just had so much fear. Yeah. Yeah. What was the thing you were most afraid of that you were learning? Like, was it related to your marriage? Was it related to like, what is going to happen? What, what's the future hold? I had heard a few of them talk about disclosures and that was terrifying. I was like, oh my word, this is a real thing that people do. And I was like, but I'm not going to need that. Um, Why did you think you didn't need it? Oh, I was a hundred percent sure I knew everything. Okay. And um, so I think that was a big piece. And I know that Corey identified that in my situation, there was domestic violence, um, not towards me, but towards the kids. And, And the situation itself was very tense. Like my husband had a lot of trauma and that came out in the form of rage and control. So when I would tell stories about all of that, she would express concern like there was true danger. And I literally thought there was like someone behind me that she was talking to. I was like, who is she even talking to right now? Cause I'm totally fine. Like I didn't know that what I was in wasn't healthy. Right. It, it's cause we're like the frog in the pot of boiling water that gets turned up slowly over the time, over time. Right. Don't you think, I mean, it's like, we don't realize how toxic our situations have gotten when it's just progressively gotten worse over time. Yes. 
And I started to slowly realize it when people would talk about going out at night with friends or wearing different things they wanted to wear. And I didn't have a lot of freedoms, um, drinking alcohol, like I was not allowed to do that, wearing certain clothes or shoes. And so I had never really been in a group of women before for them to kind of relate to me and say, that's not okay. And you don't have any autonomy. And how can you be in healthy relationship if you can't even be an individual? Wow. So I think I was afraid of being an individual. Mm. So you, you're, you're coming and eventually a, a while later, you start to want to be there. What kind of skills and knowledge and experience were you gaining that started to turn the tide for you? Okay, you started realizing that you were in a power control relationship and that you needed to use your voice, gain some autonomy. How did you, what else, what are other things that you started learning and applying that started changing your life? Grieving your losses boundaries was completely new for me. I tried to bring it up with one of our pastors and he said, that's a hundred percent unbiblical. And so I was super confused, but also becoming more empowered, realizing that, that I could have a voice and that a lot of the dysfunctional stuff happening in my marriage and in the home, I didn't need to sit around and just submit, which is what I was being told. And so it was like a slow absorption, like a sponge. Mm-hmm. And then it started to kind of leak out in the home atmosphere and things got more uncomfortable because that dysfunctional dance was changing and the power control dynamic was shifting for my husband and his biggest core fear is losing control. So for him, any little bit felt like devastation. Mm. Uh, and I think the biggest turn was when I started asking more questions about disclosure and I went home and I said to him, you're sure I know everything. And this is after a couple of discoveries and a few different disclosures. And uh, let's see how many years of being in it, five to six with no work really, except for now we're both in groups. And he's like, yeah, you know everything. And so I started kind of naming some things, which I had never done because I'm not, I don't go looking. I wasn't suspicious. And he said to one of the things, yeah, yeah, that's part of my past, but you knew that. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I was like, no, I I didn't know that. And he said, "Um, you know that, but that's all part of the same thing. And I was like, he's gaslighting me. And I had just learned about that. And I was like, oh, we're going for an intensive and disclosure. And we had no money to do that. We turned our whole retirement in because I felt like, what will I pay to know the truth? Mm-hmm. What will I pay to have to be free from all that control? I think when I met you, you had just done your disclosure, like just a few, maybe two, three months earlier. And I remember meeting you and being like, oh man, this woman's amazing. She's a firecracker. (laughs) And I'm so thankful that you 
pushed through your recovery journey so hard. I mean, it was hard work, right? Like walking through 10 feet of snow uphill for a mile. I mean, it is hard, hard work. But you and Chris have both done a lot of work, had had a lot of healing throughout the years. And now it's amazing. Like all the ways that you're able to impact other women. At what point did you know, like, I want to do this. I want, I know when I met you, you were already talking about wanting to help other women go through betrayal. But when did that, when did that realization hit you that this was going to become your whole career and a new life's calling? Yeah, I was working as a nurse and we were waiting for our disclosure. And I had set my husband up with a local therapist. And according to what I knew, he was the only one that I could find close enough. There's one CSAT in New Hampshire, but there's one counselor who says he's qualified. So we waited for him. And I set up a couple appointments because I wanted Chris to have some extra support while we were waiting for disclosure. I could see that he was just in agony. And he waited about six weeks for the appointment and he went in and I had my hopes. I'm like, oh, he's going to just be like poured into. That's what we both need. And he came home and he said, I don't know how to tell you this, but he told me not to do this. We talked about this recently. He said, he still remembers his words. He said, why would you ever do that process and tell her the truth? You know, don't put yourself through that. Don't do that. And I remember going in the bathroom, just laying on the tile for a while and just feeling like the cold tile on my face. And I was just like, I, I, don't, I don't even know. I, I couldn't move. I couldn't even, I was so hopeless. And then we went and had our intensive and that was a great experience. And when I came home, I just realized there is no help here. There's almost no help here. And there needs to be some healthy help here because I like to expedite the process and find root cause. And it took so long to figure out all the pieces that had to be worked on in our situation to get to a healthy atmosphere. Wow. So you decided to change the trajectory of your career. And I know you've been leading in women in the battle for how, how long has it been now? When did you start doing that? Two years, two or three. Yeah. Yeah. Were you scared to step into a leadership role? Like my other women, my first group, I was terrified, not so much because, yeah, I mean, I did a lot of prep work. I almost obsessively prepared, but I think what scared me more is that I had three very strong-willed women, very outspoken women in the group. And I don't always take that role in groups. So that felt like, how do I do this in a healthy way? You know, how do I let them talk and be supported, but be a facilitator who can balance the dynamics and make sure everyone can talk and that we don't go down toxic roads. And that just takes time to figure out how to do that. And even today, looking back, I laugh because that was a tough group. 
I realize as I have more experience, it was, it was a tricky dynamic, but I think they all got a lot out of it. And I'm so glad I did it because one of the women, she actually has since passed away, but I know at the time that was her literal only support. And she was, she had cancer and they had forced her off of the choir because of her husband's stuff. And it was like her, it was her love. It was what brought her joy. Wow. So you've led a lot of different groups in women in the battle since then. And why do you keep doing it? Why do you keep giving back and, and loving and leading women through a small group in women in the battle? I think it is a give back and it was given to me and it literally set me free. When, after I did my disclosure and we did a lot of kind of intense therapy for that couple of days, when I read my impact letter, my husband said, you must have felt like you were in prison. I was like, he just got it. Wow. And I felt like they opened the door and set me free. Yeah. And I just can't stop sharing that. It's amazing. What is your favorite thing about leading a women in the battle group? I just love the ladies. They're so precious. They give me far more than I give them. They're just, just to watch them grow and I see them chew on things and reflect on it and kind of take it down in the deepest parts of who they are and then reflect back like an aha moment or some wisdom that they've, that God's been sharing with them. And the group is just beautiful. They all work together to help each other heal. Yeah. Yeah. The, the group experience is extremely powerful. So I know there's probably women that are, are listening and they're like, heck no, kind of like you for six months, right? No way. I'm not joining a group. What would you say to those women? I would say it's going to be painful, but it's going to be fruitful. And the pain is all the shackles that are on you just kind of falling off. That takes time and it's not going to be instant, but you will find a sisterhood like you've never found before. And that is the most powerful piece of healing because you have a secure base that you can attach to. When that rupture of the attachment in the marriage happens, it's hard to know who we can trust. Some of us don't even trust ourselves anymore, but I feel like part of the, one of the most powerful aspects of the group experience is seeing in real time action people show love, care, support, empathy, and that we start to trust them. And then we start to be able to trust ourselves again and trust God again. And sometimes the marriage can be rebuilt and other times not. You did get a rebuilt marriage, right? I mean, your husband has changed. Yeah. He's worked on his recovery. He's, he's changed. And so you have, you have that ending that every woman longs for. Not every woman gets that in their marriage. A lot of women have to end and say goodbye. And in which case that group experience is also really powerful 
because we need a lot of support when a marriage ends. Yeah. I'm just so thankful for you, Julie. I'm so thankful for your love and your efforts to share your wisdom with other women through our curriculum and also leading women um, from the pit of despair towards betrayal trauma recovery and also recruiting more facilitators for women in the battle <laughs> than any other person I know. You just keep on spreading the love and building the kingdom of God and binding up the brokenhearted and raising up more laborers for the harvest. And it's so awesome. I'm so thankful for you. Thank you. Yeah. And I want to say, you know, even though my marriage made it, I kind of look at it like a cancer diagnosis, like some will and some won't. There was nothing I did. And I think it made it by the skin of our teeth. Like we were so on the fence that could have gone either way that I do have a heart for women where it doesn't where their husband doesn't, won't do the work because mine was really on the fence and gave me a pretty hard time. I had to fight hard. It's one reason why I'm so passionate about boundaries um, because it was a hard battle. He's, he is a highly dominant personality type and I'm not, I mean, in every personality that comes out like animals, he's a shark, he's a tiger. I'm a turtle. Like, how fair is that? And having to start boundary work with someone like that and call them to something better. And when you call them to something better, they'll either do it or they'll walk away. And if they walk away, that's not your fault. You know, that's their choice. And there's nothing that I did to deserve that he chose, but I, I feel blessed that I can watch someone truly enter in, in recovery and go through the stages of it, you know, and just entering it. It's not easy on this side either. There's challenges, you know, it's, there's constant layers to working through recovery from addiction. Yeah. So I think you have to keep doing the work. Absolutely. And you do, you do your work. Yeah. So thank you, Julie. And to all of our listeners to this episode, until the next episode, I am holding out hope for you. <laughs>